Our Three Cents is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. For more information, please go to greenlitpodcasts.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by my childhood friend, Chris Dow. You think you're Lego Technics, but really you're just Duplo. And my adulthood friend, Minty Booth. I have enclosed a jewel that helps protect you. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 favourite video games. Announcement! Announcement! Before we dive into the episode, we'd like to tell you about the other platforms that we are occupying upon the online spherical system space, which I believe is what uh, WWW actually stands for. (laughs) We are on YouTube. If you search for Our Three Cents, you can find all manner of videos there, including the recent spat of Our Three Cents approved videos that Chris has put together and a a huge wealth of amazing Inky Dunk videos uh, where me and Minty have been playing through The Binding of Isaac after plus look at them watch them like them subscribe to the channel that'd be grand we also have a patreon page patreon.com slash r3 cents we've got loads of bonus content available for those of you who are just that gosh darn hungry for a little bit more of us we have full bonus episodes full bonus episodes loads of them exclusive deleted scenes and outtakes there's access to the patreon exclusive discord channel there's custom artwork up for grabs there's the chance to record an episode i mean with us i mean oh yeah head over there and check it out so this week we have minty's seventh favorite video game of all time i i'm i'm very excited i'm Uh, I'm very excited. excited to find out find out what it is i'm excited to talk about it actually Good. But before we do that, it's time to return to the new form, our three cents quiz. Quiz, quiz, quiz. This is very exciting. So Minty is exciting. I'm finally good. You are. You are. You're doing you're doing very, very well. It's uh I mean, you know, you did well last week. It's a very different round this time. Sure, sure. So uh let's see let's see how you get on. Quiz. Minty is 53 points in the lead. No, sorry, you're you're all 53 <laughs> points. That's <laughs> gonna say. Oh, it was very yeah. good to say. 53 points to 51. You're two points in the lead. Mm-hmm. The way this second round is gonna work is it is a version of the House of Games round highbrow, lowbrow. So you're each gonna be given two questions. So it's not a fastest finger first. And there's a potential four points up for grabs. So I will first ask you a highbrow question. By that, I mean one of a highly intellectual nature. And you will guess an answer. You will then be given a lowbrow question, which will be of a video game nature with (laughs) the same answer. And you will have the option to change your answer. If you get the correct answer from the highbrow question, you get two points. If you get it from the lowbrow question, you'll get one point. If you don't get it right at all... You don't get any points. So, here we go. We're going to start with you, Chris. Okay. A highbrow question. What was the name of a Polish newspaper published during two eras by the Worker Party and is also the Polish word for worker? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. You want the lowbrow question? Lowbrow. The mustachioed twat hammock that gives Sonic the Hedgehog grief is known as Dr. What? Robotnik. 
That is the correct answer. Is that the name well of the done. paper? It is indeed, yeah. And the Polish word for worker is Robotnik. Jeez. Well, I've learned something. I have learned something. That is the aim of this. I'd like to give a shout out to Johan Gwyn, who uh, came up with that question. Uh, so <laughs> oh, a good that. egg. Minty. Yeah. Your highbrow question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In 1822... John Constable painted what natural phenomenon in a piece entitled What Study? I'll take the lowbrow question, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the lowbrow question. The protagonist of the seventh entry in Square's epic RPG series is named What Strife? (laughs) Cloud. Correct. Well done. That is one point each. One point each. Okay. Chris, your highbrow question. James Hicks was a pioneer of bluegrass music in Alabama with his band Frontier Bluegrass. By what nickname was he better known? Uh, I haven't got a clue. (laughs) Not a clue. Mario. (laughs) Lowbrow, please. Okay, lowbrow question. Here we go. What is the name of the amphibious critter who helps Donkey Kong with his high jumping in Donkey Kong Country? Oh, what is his name? Oh, I can't get no points. This is awful. Um, Just so you know as well, if you don't get this right, Minty does have a chance to steal. Oh, it's even worse. And I bet he knows this. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I can't do it. Okay, Minty, your chance to steal. What is the correct answer? Winky. That is the correct answer. Never yes. would have got that. Never. Never getting that. And of course, Winky Hicks, the uh, bluegrass <laughs> musician of from Alabama. Okay, Minty. Okay. Your highbrow <clears throat> question. Yes. In ancient Roman mythology, mm-hmm. the figure Mors was the personification of death. What was the name of the antithesis of Mors, the personification of life? I don't know. Let's go lowbrow. What underperforming handheld console developed by Sony only shifted 10 million units worldwide? The Vita. Fuck off. Yeah, correct Uh, answer. Yes. Vita, the personification of life. I would have got that one. I think I even would have had a stab at the highbrow. Well, we'll never know. So to conclude, that is one point for Chris. Three points for Minty. Three points for Minty. Oh, I'm quitting the show. Goodness me. I'm I'm off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is now 56 points to 52. You've got a four-point lead. Oh, do you know what? This day has started out great. Uh, on my way to, to the supermarket, I saw two birds um, pulling worms out of the out of the earth, like little free steaks. And, <laughs> <laughs> and a massive bumblebee as well. And now I've got three points in the... Oh, man. So we're here today uh, to talk about Minty's seventh favourite video game. But before we do that, let us talk about what we've been playing in this last week. So as, of course, is tradition, I'm going to hand over to Minty mm. to tell us, uh, have you have you seen another six or seven endings on Bravely Defaults? <laughs> well, much like the, uh, the living embodiment of blue cheese, Prince Philip, I have finally seen the true ending. <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> no i have completed bravely default now it's a satisfying ending um it's 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 good it's sort of it just it just peels back layers of the of of the mythos of that world um with every with every completion so i think i mentioned last week that um 
uh, I had two false endings, one of which was uh, uh, put one member of the party in peril, the second one put another member of the party in peril. Thankfully, the third one was was just a happy ending for everybody. Aww, that's what we'd like to see here at our three cents. It does sort of tug at at your coat a little, because um, your player character is a mysterious one of of strange and nebulous origins. Mm-hmm. He's a sailor who is shipwrecked on on the world that the game takes place in, and it's it's his it's it's his link to the the world that the true final boss lives on that allows you to go and uh, vanquish him once and for all. And then you think, once the, once the credits roll and the cutscenes play, you think, oh, perhaps he wasn't real this whole time, because he's not there when they all when all when the other three wash up on the beach. Oh, but then he does, and it's lovely. Mm. Yeah. And also, I found out that um, Princess Gloria of Musa, one of your four members of the party, voiced by Charlotte Ritchie of oh, yes. Call the Midwife and uh, Season 11 of Taskmaster fame. Indeed, and Fresh Meat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What is that, a show? Yeah, yes. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah no, she's not a butcher. Mm. So yes, we, we tune in every Thursday. Uh, Greg Davis is there, sort of slapping his cards down, bullying the little hairy man. And it cuts to her and I'm just like, oh yeah, say something like, um, like primordial powers consume you, uh, <laughs> uh, as, as you are wont to do. But no, she's just there being, um, being crap at lateral thinking tasks. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, as most of them are in that show. Indeed. Any more Isaac? A couple of Isaac runs, um, just just chipping away at that ham, trying to oh, yeah. just unlock all the good items. Um, I did play a couple of levels of Grindstone as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah let's not forget Grindstone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I say a couple of levels. I just did a daily, and I was like, oh, 25th in the world. Why not? Oh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Speaking of world rankings, and also speaking of the Binding of Isaac, I uh, I managed to get, I think it was 6th. Which I was, I was very pleased. I was very pleased about that. Was that was very, very nice. How how does the ranking work? So the score is generated by a few things. You gain points for exploring more rooms. You gain points for obviously how far you get and if you complete it. You lose points for obviously taking damage or for taking longer. That's that's basically it. So it's basically you know do it as fast as you can. You know without taking too much damage uh, and, and try and explore as much of the, uh, the, the the floors as possible. Yeah. It's, it's great fun. It's a great fun thing to do. And I've still got uh, probably about 20 more runs to do before I unlock the achievement for doing 30 daily runs. But I, I've also been playing a lot of The Binding of Isaac, which are obvious, obviously after last week saying, oh, I'm going to call it a day now, you twat. <laughs> Never going to happen. I told you. I told you. No, I know. I know. I know. I, I, I carried on chipping away at greedier runs. Uh, I had a very successful um, The Forgotten Greedier Run, which I put up on the YouTube channel because it was a Nord Leaf build, which is the uh, the, the, the very definition of victory through attrition. Because if, if, you, have, if you find the Nord Leaf... If you stand still, you, you're invincible. You can't get hurt. So all you need is like one orbital or a familiar that does contact damage or something. And eventually the room will be cleared from just enemies running into it. And I had I had like one orbital. I think I had the trailing knife that you get for getting the mum transformation. And I also had little hush as a familiar and a little hush basically moves you know like the um the the the, the screensaver on dvd players in the 90s <laughs> yeah. where it sort of yeah. bounces around the screen and uh, you cheer when it goes in the corner um, oh, man. <laughs> Ooh, 
basically works like that. And I thought, oh, this would be quite fun. I'll, I'll, I'll record this. And I was editing in the morning. I was looking after Nora. And I thought, I'll just I'll just record it. And then I can speed it up in post. And people can see see actually what victory through attrition really looks like. And it, 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 to be fair, it didn't take as long as I thought it was going to. It still took about an hour to do like two floors. And uh, you can see a little sped up version of me looking after my daughter and, and being joined by my dog uh, <laughs> at one point as well. And yeah, eventually, eventually, like, yeah, you win. And uh, I ticked, ticked that one off then i did a very uh, had a very successful blue baby greedier run and so all all i have left to do is uh greedier with the lost which i i I just don't think i can do without doing another nord leaf build because trying to do ultra greed and ultra greedier without taking two hits which is essentially what you need to do as the lost because you get hit once you'll lose your holy mantle and then you get hit another time you die I just, I just don't think it's possible because I've got to ultra greedier even with like an insanely powerful build, but because they're just damaged sponges, mm. you just come unstuck. And so I, I will keep on trying those. But in the meantime, I have actually made a start on, well, I've actually started to make progress with uh, the keeper and I had my first successful run as keeper this morning. It was it was really really great. Like the run started well. I found I got Polyphemus on first first floor, which is a massive damage up, but also a massive tears down. And your tear rate is already really really slow as keeper anyway because you're firing three shots. Like Isaac's tear rate starts at ten. It maxes out at a cap of five. You know usually for a run, keeper starts at twenty eight. So it's very slow. Polyphemus took it up to about sixty. That is slow. Yeah, it's very very slow. But you know it's very very powerful. So you just have to dodge and uh, and then time your shots and you know you you'll get there. Then I picked up Monstro's Lung, which oh. is a which is a charge attack that then fires like a volley of tears. But it also took my tear speed down uh, to two hundred and forty. What? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I'd have to stand still for about oh, man. I don't know twenty seconds charging it up before going into the next room, and then hopefully killing everything in one go. But then, yeah, I slowly got all the way <laughs> to. I managed to do Mum's Heart. The bosses were easy because they're easy to hit. And one volley of attacks would pretty much kill it. I also got sinus infection. So uh, whatever tears didn't kill it would get stuck to it. I got through the cathedral because what I really, really wanted to do uh, was unlock... If if you beat Isaac, which is the boss of the cathedral, if you beat Isaac there, you unlock the wooden nickel as a starting item for the keeper, which totally transforms how you play as him because it's an active item, so you start with it. And if you use it, it's got a one room charge, so you can use it every room. And then there's a there's a 50-50 chance that it'll spawn a penny. And pennies are health as the keeper. So it means you've, you've basically got a very, very good chance of generating health for yourself and, and, you know, making runs so much more feasible. So I'm really, really glad that I got that far. I then did go on and do the chest and blue baby. In the chest, I picked up Hemolacria, which took my tier speed up down to 280 but also was <laughs> was even more powerful like my, my my damage was like about 50 by this point mm. and then i picked up tech x in the chest as well wow. and uh, i've got a little video I, I managed i think i did a little screen capture of me beating blue baby in i mean it's, it's I mean, probably about a tenth of a second it's just enormous damage it was it was really really good fun it was really good fun and i'm i'm so thrilled that i've sort of broken the back of him now and 
certainly got the wooden nickel so I can start to tick off his uh, his post-it note and then yeah I'm almost there there's there's an achievement in the game that I really do want to get which is um, for getting a win streak of five but with a different character for each win you don't have to do it on hard so you can do it on normal and I think that'll be really really good fun and I think you know I'd, I'd stand a good chance of doing pretty decent runners like Isaac and as, as uh, Judas and as Azazel, probably the Forgotten and Apollyon. So that's uh, that's also on my to-do list, which is good fun. I've played some other things. I uh, I have played some other things. I, I, I bought, I, well, I cashed in a bunch of credit that I had uh, with CEX and I got a couple of things. I got Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy on the Nintendo Switch. And this is a game I was really looking forward to playing because I remember when it came out on the GameCube way, way, way back when. It's ancient, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It got really, really good reviews. Uh, it looked really fun. And and it was, a, it was a real shock to see it, like, come to the Switch, be ported. It's, it's got obviously got HD graphics. But they weren't, like, marketing it as, like, a remaster or as a remake or even making reference to the fact that, you know, it wasn't an original game coming out in 2019 or, you know, whenever it was it came out. And it's strange because if they'd have done that, it definitely would have, I think it would have helped its reception. I mean, it was received fine because people reviewing it were people in the biz and they knew that it was a GameCube game. But it really is a GameCube game (laughs) and it's not, it's not fun. (laughs) It's... It's just, it's really clumsy. It's really ugly. I played it for about an hour and was just getting really pissed off with it. It's just like really, I don't know. If, if it feels even older, older school than GameCube, to be honest, in terms of it's like 3D platform adventuring. But I have been playing another game that I picked up, which was Cadence of Hyrule, the uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer Zelda spin-off, which uh, was just a total, total shock and surprise to see happen. And it is absolutely fantastic. I mean, for the first half hour of me playing it, I was like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to play this game. Because, I mean, Crypt of the Necrodancer is essentially, it's a rhythm-based dungeon-crawling uh, uh, action-adventure RPG. There's 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 nothing else like it. Well, there's now Cadence of Hyrule. <laughs> I, I literally, I was just like, I, have, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so crap at this. I'm never going to learn. And then all of a sudden, I was like, dun, 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 here we go. and yeah now that i'm into it and i've sort of like got got in the rhythm of it and unfortunately the music is a lot better than what i just demoed there the music is fantastic it is like much more goey versions of like the zelda tracks Mm. but still retaining like chiptune retro styling of it and it's 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 great and i'm really looking forward to playing a bit more of that played a bit more of the outer worlds i'm still having a great time with that good yeah i think that's it i think that's it chris how about you what uh, how's how's your ps5 how are you getting on with that uh, the ps5 is really nice uh but first i think it's a good follow-on that you just mentioned the outer worlds because i've finished it 100 percent on the switch oh wow i fin- well finally got through it and I, and I wanted to kind of offer a little update because I have spoken about it quite a lot in the past i know you're playing it now mm. but I, I've, I've really enjoyed my whole time with it and it was really satisfying to get to the ending. The game wraps itself up really nicely and it concludes with sort of a, a rousing, quite elegiac wrap-up that reflects on basically everything you've done and achieved across your whole journey, mm. but in a way that feels really nicely organic. Like I was, I was kind of half expecting it to be like, well, X amount of players did this and you did this and that kind of thing. Yeah. But it, it wasn't. It was like a really nicely delivered 
uh, like narrate a monologue of just everything that has gone on in the world that that you've been part of. Oh, I like that. It's really good, really good. My my top tip to you as well, because obviously you're playing this at the moment, and and I know you're kind of reasonably early in the game. Choose the type of character you wish to be, and really commit to that when you're upgrading your stats and specking your build, because. I kind of made the mistake that early on I went really heavy on conversation skills and, and technical abilities like hacking and lock picking, but then about midway through the game I sort of just leveled out to make a more rounded character, and that didn't seem to matter at the time. But by the, by the end of the game I wasn't really tough enough to be like a true killing machine to make some encounters easy, but I also wasn't a sneaky sneakerson able to kind of avoid conflict altogether. <laughs> and it made the last yeah. kind of two, three hours really quite difficult. Like it really did step up quite a lot because suddenly the, the doors that I would have just waltzed through before I, I couldn't unlock enemies would kind of block paths. And it's like, that's, that's going to be quite a battle to get through that. So yeah, think about kind of how you want to play the game and, and sort of really commit to it early. I was tempted to pick up the downloadable content for the switch but I've I've kind of put it down for now, mainly because I know that the PlayStation 4 version just got a PlayStation 5 patch that boosts its frame rate and, and locks its resolution and all sorts of other shiny things. And I'm now kind of in two minds as to whether to just leave the Switch's Vaseline vision for a few months and then <laughs> down the line pick up the PlayStation copy instead. But I haven't really decided. But either way, I think my journey is just halted for now. I think I've had my feel of that mm. game for the time being. The PlayStation 5 then... I promised last week to go into a bit more detail about the actual games I was playing because I barely mentioned them last time. So here we go. A little rundown of some of the things I I have enjoyed. Spider-Man Remastered, I mentioned last time very, very briefly. It is a a really stunning game, honestly. It is. I, I think its charms are even more effective to me because I've avoided the collection of Sony branded open world titles almost entirely for most of the last generation. And I haven't really played a proper open world game in years. And... I feel quite fortunate that my my first experience, as it were, kind of re-entering this genre is a game that is as polished as this one. Because, you know, I'll, I'll echo everything that you said back when you'd played through it. It looks insanely good. It feels insanely good. It feels like being Spider-Man should feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or at least what you imagine that to feel like. And as part of that as well, it's even got kind of a a lovely smooth curve that sees you become more proficient at swinging and traversal and fighting as you move through the game, almost in the way that kind of mimics the journey that, you know, each iteration of Peter Parker goes through in the comics or films or whatever. So although he is a fledged character when you when you start the game, for you as a player, you're kind of, you know, stumbling about a bit more than you should do, taking damage when you probably shouldn't. And then now that I've played it for probably, I don't know, 15, 20 hours maybe, I'm I'm a machine. I am a Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, it's it's really, really nice. I'm probably about halfway through the game, I think. And I think I've made progress quite quickly because of the stuff I mentioned last time, like the five second resume from a cold boot on the PlayStation 5. Yeah. That just makes it so easy to dip in and out of. Yeah. And what I have really enjoyed as well is throughout the quest, you kind of get these little side missions that will pop up and get added to your city as you make progress. Every time one appears, I basically just give up on the story for a few hours to tick off all of the checklist of new things to do. Yeah, I, I did exactly that as well. It's just it's just really satisfying, it is. isn't it? It's really good. And, and whether that's kind of, there's, there's a side mission to catch pigeons, there's one to <laughs> yeah. photograph like New York landmarks, there's one to locate Peter's backpacks that he's stashed across the city. Like they do grant character benefits, some of them, but really I, I'm just completing them because it's fun to get around the city. Yeah. 
I've, I've probably used fast travel once in the 20 hours <laughs> that I've played the game yeah. because I just find it more enjoyable to actually swing about and, and make myself look cool. <laughs> so yeah, really, really good game. Uh, I will persevere and, and continue and, and beat that one, I'm sure, because I've, I've had a great time. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, the story it is like, if the story wasn't that great, you'd still be having a great time. But goodness me, they really, really deliver. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everything so far has been been very strong a very strong game another game i touched on last week tony hawk's next gen upgrade really good you know it it makes a game that already looked incredible on the ps4 look more incredible it feels just as good i said at the end of last year it was one of my favorite games of 2020 and it is that game again but nicer (laughs) (laughs) you know it's it's got that 10 pound upgrade fee that isn't that bad obviously at a time when other developers and publishers are kind of allowing free upgrade paths in some games it does feel a little bit harder to swallow but i can deal with that sort of upgrade especially if it supports the series in a way which makes remasters of three and four yeah yeah, more likely yeah it's totally up in the air because essentially the whole vicarious visions team has just been pulled off tony hawks and put on overwatch now so i I don't know what's going to happen in the future you know i'm sure some people really love overwatch it's it's a decent enough game if you want to play a multiplayer shooter thing, but it's not Tony Hawk's and <laughs> I, mm. I, I, I want more Tony Hawk's. The last game I have played this week, or that I'm going to talk about this week, is one I know you've both been very excited to hear about. It is Balan Wonderworld. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, finally. I can't believe you pay money for this. Now, it the- is, I mean... <laughs> It is oh, it is a title, yeah. as you know, I can tell from your, your reaction there. It's drawn considerable ire from the press. It's drawn kind of quite a lot of frustration from mainly, I guess, the YouTube kind of shock jock gaming community that, you know, people that just live for outrage. And I will fully, fully agree that it is not a good game. <laughs> but I will also offer that it is not a bad game. And I think this is, Wah. this is, listen, listen. <laughs> This, this is the very definition of a 5 out of 10 title back when publications used 5 out of 10 to mean average rather than bad. Mm. It is, it's so straight down the middle as just being, it's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's just It just exists. And I, I think it's worth saying, I didn't pay full price for this game. eBay do kind of uh, vouchers each month and that reduced the cost down to about £28. Whereas I think the, the recommended price is like 50 odd quid. So at that price, Curiosity got the better of me. And yeah, it is it is what it is. It's not good. It's not bad. It is a serviceable platformer. And I think the easiest way to kind of picture it, if you haven't played it, if you haven't played the demo, if you haven't seen anything about it. Imagine a nugget of shit in your eye. <laughs> no, I mean, if, if you imagine a 3D action game from the PlayStation 2 that's been shot into the future and somehow landed in 2021, because that was the era where a lot of games back then in that console generation, they were really average, but they at least tried to present new ideas. It's similar actually to sort of what I was saying about Sphinx. Yeah, yeah. And it's like they they often failed, but it wasn't for lack of effort. It was just that for whatever reason, the execution wasn't quite there. And I'm thinking about games like that um, that I played back in the day, like Hurdy Gurdy on the PS2, Freak Style on the PS2 as well, Toe Jam and L3 on the original Xbox. Haven that was made by Traveller's Tales, even some of the later, like later era Crash Bandicoot games, they weren't good games, but they all tried to do something different or something interesting. And 
whether it was you know what they were doing with their characters or kind of your abilities as a player or the worlds they created they they tried to stand out from the pack even if they they weren't kind of top tier games and Balan Wonderworld I think tries to do this as well because it's got this weird simplified control scheme where you only have a single action button and all of your different abilities are assigned to kind of different character outfits you need to pick up and switch between on paper I think the idea works a lot better than when you're actually faced with it in game but it's it's okay honestly it's all right <laughs> like I, I think Balan Wonderworld will absolutely be a tiny footnote in the list of 2021 releases who knows if I'm going to be bothered to actually finish it or play it that much more but I do feel quietly confident that in a decade people will start to talk about this game with a strange nostalgia and a weird reverence in the same way that you have these hidden gems videos now where people will drudge up really subpar titles from the Dreamcast or the PlayStation 2 or whatever but speak about them with with quite a lot of love because they were just a little bit different and no one remembers them and yeah I don't know it's it's always the same with me it's like I would prefer to play something shitty like Balan Wonderworld than buy the new Call of Duty <laughs> like one of them is going to be a much better experience on on the PlayStation 5 and yet the one that I've spent my 28 pounds on is Balan Wonderworld so yeah that's that's it and uh that's me for the week well from the ridiculous to the sublime <laughs> Minty I'm gonna hand over to you to tell us all about your seventh favorite video game of all time go on son mm. The three of us love a build-up, don't we? Oh, yeah. A vague paragraph at the start of each week that gets the other two salivating, the air crackling with hushed questions, neurons firing as we try and leapfrog each other into guessing what the other person has chosen. Well, here's a clue to get you started. This game is two weeks older than me. And it's still good. (laughs) Okay, and now something different. Video game movies have a bit of a bad reputation, don't they? Yeah. Because they're mostly shit. (laughs) The tide, I think, is starting to turn, though, with Detective Pikachu being a completely fine buddy cop film that had Deadpool dressed up as a Pokemon by sheer coincidence. And apparently Sonic the Hedgehog is getting a sequel. Well, 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 Well done to everyone involved there, I guess. Looking back over the rich and varied history of uh, video game movies and cautiously looking to the future, we can't discount the monumental social and filmic impact this game and this franchise has had. How many games can say they've had a feature-length film made to promote their release? It's not many. What? It might even be one. Super Mario Bros. 3, my my seventh favourite video game of all time. Of course. Yes. course. (laughs) Not only my seventh favourite video game, the best 2D platformer of all time. There is no question. It's been completely unsurpassed for over 30 years. I mean, people might take umbrage at that fact, but have a think about any of the modern contenders and what do they have in common? A unique gameplay mechanic or or to be uh, less charitable, a gimmick. Turning back time, flipping gravity, using a stylus, Mario 3's gimmick is just jumping on platforms. It has a clarity and focus as sharp and compressed as a diamond. (laughs) And it's about as hard as one, too. This is back before we could save our progress in games. Uh, One of the the main selling points of Mario 3 was that you could could pause. (laughs) That was literally on the back of the game box. Press pause to take a break and continue from where you left off. Wow. (laughs) So not only are are you... 
dying over and over and over, you're essentially forced to restart the game every single day, often multiple times, thanks to the, in hindsight, near unjustifiable lives system. Most modern games have autosaves, and even then it's just such a slog to get back to where you died last most of the time. Oh, I'm going to do this bit again. <laughs> but every That's level... how I sound every time I play Dark Souls. Yeah. <laughs> it may as well have been the soundtrack, to be honest. Oh, oh boy. Every level in Mario 3 is so different from the last. Sure, some are clumped together aesthetically, but there really aren't two levels that are alike. Every playthrough, every restart is just peppered with this sort of this sense of micro-newness that is just unrelenting right up until the final level, and it keeps, keeps it profoundly engaging and just, just fun to play. It's also got a, just, just a tiny little bit of story. Peach has been kidnapped and Bowser has stolen the magic wands of the seven monarchs who watch over each world, transforming them into animals. Beat the Koopalings and get the wands back. Change that Labrador back into a fat man. A tale as old as time. <laughs> I started playing Mario 3 when I was about six or seven. I had it with a hand-me-down NES along with Star Wars and DuckTales, both games on this list, and uh, three games released fairly late into the life of the of the NES and oh boy I, I I took months to get to the second world it's it's muscle memory now it's you know 10 minutes max and I remember poring over the instruction manual seeing all the different power-ups Mario could get in the later worlds and just getting really excited to finally find a super leaf to become the raccoon or the um or the suit that lets you become a statue very briefly oh hang on is that Mario inside of a massive shoe? Just page after page of fantastically imaginative transformations that really, really poured sauce on my arse and gave me the drive to push on. <laughs> and the manual had a little blurb for all of the eight worlds as well. So every now and then after dying for the hundredth time that day in, in, in World 1, Grassland, I'd flip through and think, oh, man, World 2 is going to be a desert. I can't wait to see it one day. <laughs> oh, I the this world, everything's a giant in this world. Oh, this one's set in the sky. Oh, it was just such a tantalising little pamphlet, and it's the reason that I really wish modern video games had more than just the disc or the cartridge in them. But alas, vaguely growing up with this game and others like it has helped preserve it in a way for me. Um, let's say I completely disrespect both of you right now and just whipped out my Switch and started playing. The first half an hour is grassland and desert land. This is good, solid platforming that has crisp outlines, glorious controls, and the benefit of about 25 years of familiarity. It's not, it's not a means to an end, uh, per se, but it's a good warm-up, not just for the controls, but also the feel of the game. Uh, bright colours, it feels good in your hand, wisps of memory in each button input. The angry sun swooping down as I shit myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, people are always like, oh, the sun in Mario 3 is so scary, but they're, they're sleeping on the booze in this game. <laughs> if you played any game past um, Super Mario World, you've got all these fairly lethargic ghosts that just sort of amble towards you when you aren't looking. But in Mario 3, the second you turn your back, they just sprint straight at you. They're terrifying, and they're normal enemies. They can flank you. Spooky shit. As a, as a kid, I never really got past World 2 in the intended way. Uh, I used to use the war whistles that took you to the later levels, back when I was under the, uh, under the foolish impression that the end credits were the be-all and end-all of playing a game. It's, it's an incorrect worldview. 
from a life that I no longer maintain, <laughs> but I'm glad I did because the familiarity of the later worlds just doesn't exist for me. I remember the sort of the deal of the different levels. This one's completely underwater. This one's got an auto scroller in the clouds. This one's sort of non-linear, but I need to still need to engage the old noggin when I play through them again. It's like baking bread. I, I spent my childhood kneading and now I can jump back in every now and then and just enjoy knocking it back and letting it prove again. <laughs> That's nice. There really is nothing as satisfying to play, as well-made, as visually timeless as Mario 3, in my opinion. It's it's just incredible. And it should be mandatory reading in any game player's journey. I've not played it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris. Oh. How have you not played it? I mean, I, I, I say that. I played it for the first time last year. I played Super Mario Brothers via the uh, Game Boy Color port of Deluxe. Yeah, I remember when you got that, actually. That was the first time I'd seen a Game Boy Color-only yeah. cartridge. I played Super Mario Brothers 2 via the Game Boy Advance at some stage. I don't think I finished it, but I at least played it. Yeah. And then I, I never played Super Mario World properly until I beat it with, with our friend Gene a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I, I just skipped over 3. It, it was the one I've missed out on. I think out of the whole Mario series, it is the game that I probably have played stage one before, and, and that would be my lot. I mean, there can't be many Mario games that you haven't played. No, no, this, this is what I mean. So really, I should I should have this as a treat, shouldn't I? Minty, you should set it as my homework. <laughs> Seriously, do, do. It is absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I remember, I can't remember what question it was we were answering when you replied, Minty, that you thought there should be a Super Mario Maker 2 engine remake of Super Mario Brothers 3. Yeah. So that yeah. it was just the same art style, but crisp HD. Mario Maker, Super Mario 3, just just tighten it up. Make it, make it crisper. Come on, Nintendo. Make this old fool's heart happy for once. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, played, I played it on when I played through Super Mario All-Stars not too long ago, when it, when mm. it came out on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online, whatever thing in the Jiggy Bob. I mean, whilst it was a, a smoother experience than playing the original version, because I, I always got slightly bugged by the um, the flickering on the sides of the screen, which was mm. the NES trying to process scrolling. Yeah, it was. I mean, like playing the like playing the remake of the first Mario game on All Stars, that art style is incredible. Mm. Like it's so yeah, good, the yeah. original art style. You lose so much from it. You you really really do. You really do. What a game. Yeah, incredible game. So there we have it. That was Minty's seventh favourite video game of all time. And it was... Super Mario Brothers 3! If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do share the podcast on social media, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it, and you can get in touch with us as well, because we'd love to hear from you. Facebook.com slash R3Cents, chat to us on there, tell us about what games you're playing, tell us what you make of the games that we've been talking about in this episode. You can also find us on YouTube, search for our three cents, have a look at all of our videos. They're flipping great. They're a treat. They're a veritable treat. And subscribe to the channel there. Instagram at O3C Podcast, Twitch at O3C Podcast, TikTok at O3C Podcast. There's still just one thing on there that I posted about <laughs> half a year ago. But why not get in touch with us individually? You can tell Minty why you love Super Mario Brothers 3. You can tell uh, Chris why you love Wonderworld. Uh, and you can tell me, I don't know, how to use TikTok. I'm on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. I am at Balan Wonderworld Liker. 
And I am Clement underscore Boo. And if you're really enjoying what we're doing, please do check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash r3cents, and have a look at some of the amazing perks you can get there in exchange for some pennies of support. We would very much appreciate it. And please do join us next week where I will be telling you what my seventh favourite video game of all time is. Come on. How does Bloodborne stack up against, say, Oregon Trail? And is Bomberman just Loadrunner from a different point of view? Find out on Hardcore Gaming 101's Top Games, where we objectively, definitively, and scientifically rank the games you nominate for our ever-growing list. HG 101's Top Games, twice a week, every week, right here on Greenlit. Fans of video games, history, or video game history will definitely want to listen to Retronauts. Each week, Bob Mackey and myself, that's Jeremy Parrish, dive into the stories behind the greatest games of the past and the history behind the hits of today. Check us out every Monday on the Greenlit Podcast Network.